Hello, and welcome to CART, a podcast about coffee and related topics. I'm your host, Joseph Jenkins, owner and lead educator of Sustain Coffee. If you happen to be new around here, allow us to introduce ourselves. We at Sustain Coffee are a collective group of baristas, home brewers, coffee professionals, and just all around coffee enthusiasts. Our main goal is to approach coffee education in a way that is encouraging. What started as a school project with classes held in a home kitchen has morphed its way into a team of dedicated coffee lovers who want to extend their passion to others. This said, the podcast you are currently listening to is but a part of all that we do. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at 901 Sustain Coffee to get in the know of in-person workshops and pop-ups, or just to say hello. If you find that you enjoy what we do, consider supporting us on Patreon. You'll find all this in the show notes below. Regardless of those things, we hope that you enjoy this week's episode. Now, on to the show. What's going on, everyone? This is Joseph here coming at you. We have a special guest on the show today. Lily Blanton is a first-time voice on the show with an education in law. Lily has worked in the coffee industry for a collective of four years. Some of the cafes she has served at include La Colombe in D.C., Better Buzz in San Diego, and now City and State in Memphis. Lily is an excellent at customer interaction and exhibits quick bar flow technique when working barista shifts. Lily is the life of the party, and especially so while behind bars. So this character trait alone is why we got her on today. What's going on, Lily? Woohoo! Happy to be here, Joseph. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, what's up, everyone? It's raining, and as soon as Lily got out of the car, it just was downpouring. And... Yeah, it was it was a rough drive here for sure. But we've made it. We have postponed this several times. We we're supposed to have Katie Wells on the show as well, but in true nature of city and state, it's really busy right now. So Katie is doing city and state things today, which is all right. So we're going to have a conversation today. And before we get into the main body of our conversation, I always like to go into some preliminary questions that we'll ask before our What You Drinking segment. There are some questions I like to ask you, Lily. These are just basic coffee questions just to kind of get everybody to be on the same page because I know you, I work with you, I know who you are, what your interests are in terms of coffee, but let's just uh, kind of give a feel for the listener. The first question is like, what made you work in coffee or want to work in coffee? I mentioned you have a background in law. So what what is the connection there? It is a funny story. Um, I'll try and keep it brief. I was a civil rights attorney practicing and trying cases in federal court. And I was so stressed out all the time. I have a sister who works in coffee. Shout out to Mia Blanton. And um, she kept kind of trying to get me to get into being a barista. And she was like, Lily, just take a little time, be a barista, regroup. And I thought that this would be six months. And here we are four years later, still in the coffee scene, because I um, started working at La Colombe in D.C. and just lucked out. It was awesome. I um, learned a lot from them. And I won't go into too much more detail because I think the rest of the questions are about this topic. But um, it was really my sister. My sister got me into coffee. And um, so I'm really grateful for that. Okay, so coming out of out of law, feeling a little bit burnt out, wanting to, to maybe change it up, taking the advice of your sibling and, mm-hmm. and staying there. So that kind of leads us to the question as you're alluding. So what has made you stay in coffee? It was just, it was something that originally was supposed to be like a reprieve from another career. What has made you now kind of, at least for now, you know, you can always change, but what's kind of made you settle in coffee for the, the time being? Well, I learned, I've learned a lot, um, both in actual coffee knowledge and in that 
coffee can be a real job. Sure. I, I left law thinking, oh, I'll just take this little coffee job. You grow up in a, in a sense that the only real jobs are doctors and lawyers or, you know, something in business. Coffee can be a career. Mm-hmm. And I have been behind bar doing just that. I mean, so have you. It's really been a fun time. I learned, that's what I would tell people in D.C. especially, I learned a skill. You know, not everyone can stand behind an espresso bar and, and pull shots and dial them in and do pour overs and, and do the things that we do. Sure. And people don't necessarily give coffee enough credit. And so I kind of learned that firsthand and learned that um, customer service is awesome and I'm pretty good at it. And so I have stayed and been loving it ever since. Yeah, that's, that is a good point. Like a lot of people, I think, get made up in their mind. And there's different reasons that one might do that. But in terms of thinking that you have to have like a formal education for everything in order to make it a job. And yeah, like that's like you're saying, that's that's really not that true. And there's plenty of jobs apart from coffee that are skill-based. That's like, this didn't require me sitting in a class or getting a piece of paper or going to a college. Like this required me like learning it through like repetition. And right, coffee is a trade. Absolutely. And it's really funny to think about it in that way, I guess, when we compare it to other things. So all that said, what is your go-to coffee beverage these days? Like you're going to a cafe or maybe you're at work. What is... What is the drink that you are most frequently reaching for in terms of brewed coffee? I am one of the, I maybe not rare people, especially on this podcast and to these listeners, but um, one of the rare people in the world who I immediately took to City and State and um, any other cafe that has single origin espresso. Any cafe that has anything on from any region, you know, we can talk about favorite regions. I think that's a question coming up as well. But um, single origin espresso and or a pour over are usually my my go to options. Yeah. Single origin. That's something it's funny because there are I would say within our city, there's like I would say it's kind of 50 50 on like cafes that sell a single origin option. But a lot of customers and this is just a a a little hint for you listener if you go into a cafe maybe you're new to coffee and you're wanting to try an espresso based beverage a good question to ask is what kind of espresso do they have on or like what coffee they're serving on espresso is maybe a better way to ask it and you might find that there are several options and usually the single origin option as i can agree with lily is is usually the more favorable one it's a lot typically like i feel like a lot of times we put on african coffees on single origin um, stuff that's going to be like really bright and floral and like super different from what you think of when you think of espresso like a lot of us think of like you know rich and chocolatey and maybe the more negative attributes like bitter or gross or <laughs> whatever mouth drying so that kind of leads us to the question of so like in in that what is your favorite region or regions of coffee if you had to like say like, yes, this country here is what I, I tend to like the most. And you can even get more specific with that if you want to like maybe say, I like it because of the florality or because of the herbaceousness or whatever. So what is that for you? I generally love African coffees, specifically um, a natural process, Ethiopia. Essentially anything natural process too is just really, really good. Um, a lot of, we've had a lot, not a lot, but a good number of South American coffees that have been natural processed lately too, which have been really good. And yeah, what I like about those, um, just a natural process, but specifically an African coffee is more of, yeah, the berryness. Um, and I like, I like blueberries and cherries and um, the floral aroma with a little bit maybe of a floral finish. 
that's kind of, I think, my most approachable coffee, but also um, something that I find comes out really well in single origin espresso form. Yeah. So I do have a question that's not on this doc that just reminded me. It's something that I ask people all the time. I was really asking people a lot, maybe like a year ago, which is, so you're talking about liking natural coffees because of their like fruity nature by how they're processed. I find that a lot of times our taste is a very emotional thing, right? Where like we kind of, we equate things that we like as adults to things that maybe we experienced during childhood. For me, I love like tea likeness, florality in coffees, and that comes from growing up with a mom who drank a lot of tea. I therefore drink a lot of tea. Um, my friend Bartholomew Jones of Coffee Black talks about red fruit all the time, and he used to talk about you know growing up drinking Kool Aid and like that sort of thing. So like, do you have anything in your mind that maybe like cre- creates this emotional bridge between like you liking natural coffees to something that you maybe have experienced throughout your life, like childhood or or like teenage years or somewhere in that area? That is a great question, and immediately my mind goes to Welch's grape juice. Mm. Like straight up, I love a white grape juice or a, or a purple grape juice, and that was my favorite drink as a child. Okay. Okay. And yeah. that definitely equates. <laughs> um, I do. I actually, uh, guys, Joseph asked me a similar question during like my interview at City and State, and uh, so that is a, a classic Joseph question, but a very um, insightful question and something that definitely I've never thought about before. It's crazy, because when you think about that too, it's just like foods you like as well as an adult. It's like, oh, I'm, this is like, this is hitting this like emotional response almost within us without us like even realizing it kind of subconsciously. So yeah, Welsh's grape juice. That is actually a first some when someone has replied to that. So look at that, coming in with a first. First time guess, first time answer. Yes. All right, so we're gonna move into what you drinking. So in this segment, Lily, we talk about coffee that we've had lately, and sometimes I like to geek out, or my guest or whoever's on the show will also geek out. We'll talk about numbers, so we can talk about as much as we want to. Um, I can let you go first. I know you had mentioned you had you had wanted to highlight a roaster that you've been drinking that we actually both have been drinking. So. What, what you been drinking, Lily? Today, I um, went to City and State. Another shout out to the cafe that we both work at, which is awesome. Um, if you're in Memphis, give us a ring. Um, <laughs> is a natural Mexico from Night Swim Roastery out of Charlotte, North Carolina. And this roastery is very special to me, as Joseph knows, because my sister, who I mentioned got me into coffee, actually works for this roaster and is kind of the reason that we at City and State are carrying them. So we kind of got that mutual connection. And But just because it's my sister's roastery is not the only reason that I have been ultra pleased. Um, all, every coffee that we have tried by them has just been phenomenal. Um, they really are doing great work there. And the Mexico, I really liked it because, I mean, I feel like a broken record, but it's just very fruity. It's so fruity. It's It's so so sweet. Yeah, exactly. And so, as we said, you know, a natural processed Mexico is not the norm. Um, And so it was, yeah, just extremely sweet. I can't necessarily think of the notes because I am drinking different coffee right now. Spoiler alert. But um, it was just a great cup of coffee. And so we have been drinking a lot of Night Swim and I wanted to give them a shout out. Um, for both carrying them in the cafe and another shout out to Mia Blanton. Yeah, go Mia, go Nightsville. Woohoo! I love it. 
That's awesome. Yeah, their, their coffees have been really great. We have um, Noah Randolph, who is our roaster for Ravenous, popped in a few minutes ago, and he always is talking about the natural Ethiopian that we have from them on espresso over at City and State. So um, we still have that on right now. So if you're in the area, go check it out. For what I've been drinking and just the sustained team in general, we have a pop-up coming up this weekend and next weekend. That's October 15th and October 22nd, starting at 8 a.m. both Saturdays. Come hang out. There's lots of fun stuff happening. Bring a friend, if you will. Um, the, one of the coffees that we're using is a uh, uh, Nanocella from Ethiopia, and it's a washed Ethiopia. It's organic. And it is so interesting. Like the only thing that I keep coming back to it on taste wise, and it doesn't matter because we've been trying to dial it in and figure out how we're going to serve it at the pop-up is just, it tastes like Sprite, like Sprite soda. Like it even has like a sparkling kind of finish to it, which is very strange considering that it's like, there's nothing that's carbonated in it. But yeah, Sprite, like lime zest, super bright. And it's just a great representation of how like a washed Ethiopia kind of on the natural or on the other side of the natural things is can also just be so, so fun and, and nice. Um, so we have that that's going to be available for you all to try this weekend. So if you're in the area again, please come check it out. Hang out with us. Lots of Ethiopian coffees lately. I know. Season 5, Episode 9, Female Representation and Diversity in Specialty Coffee. All right, Lily, so kind of wrapping back around to the main reason that I wanted to have you and your voice on the show today, you identifying as a female and having that representation in the specialty industry makes you like a great voice for this. I also think that um, this conversation can be really great just based off of conversations you and I have had about like just diversity in general. So um, I'm just going to start off with an opening question for us. And this whole conversation can kind of go where we would like it to today. But why do we think that especially stateside being like in the u.s or in cafes that we we frequent not like the farm side of things and the set the specialty sector specifically is so male dominated like why why do you think when we look at like the specialty coffee scene why do we think it is such a male dominated thing i have a few reasons that pop up into my head but i think the first and foremost one would just be that coffee has traditionally been a man's drink mm-hmm. coffee yeah. in you know, you think about first wave coffee and you think about who brings home the bacon and who's going off to work and who's putting the Folgers in the pot or the Maxwell house or whatever, you know, no hate on those brands, but just that's where my brain goes. And you think about who's drinking the coffee and you think of tea as a more ladylike drink or Mm -hmm. women drinking fruitier drinks or something like that. And you think of, as we kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, it's coffee being bitter and a hard beverage. And I think that that is kind of maybe where it started. The other thought that I had mm-hmm. is just, it is easier for men to start businesses, mm-hmm. I think. Sure. You know, especially in areas like coffee where it has been a little bit of an exploration. Yeah. And I think that there are many reasons for that. Um, you know, my training as a civil rights attorney makes me think of just bank loans and specifically um, white people being favored and specifically white males. And that's kind of what I think specialty coffee looks like today. Mm-hmm. And the corporatization sure. of coffee 
um, you know, you look at any corporation and it's specifically um, majority white males. And so I don't think coffee is necessarily any different in that way. And not that it's a bad thing. I think that there have been a lot of moves, especially in the past few years in corporations generally to kind of include more women um, and be more inclusive. And in my time in cafes, there have been plenty of women who have um, not necessarily been in the corporate structure, but been you know, managing and been um, in HR and customer service and things like that. You think too of coffee at like, you know, farm to cup and you think about farming and that's a man's job, which is funny because a lot of coffee farms are run by women, which I think we will touch on, but you think stateside farming is a man's job. Oh yeah. That's, that's like when, when you think the American idea of a farmer, you think of a of a big strong man out in the fields working his working his fields. Yep, wearing flannel and drinking black coffee, you know, or you think of brewing coffee on a campfire or something like that, you know? It's just kind of one of those beverages that and it's and it hasn't been as approachable as it is now. And I think that you know, men are a little braver in trying things that are like beer, you know, we can equate, we can always equate craft coffee to craft beer. And um, in similar ways where experimentation and science is also a male dominated field, you know, I'm sorry, I'm just throwing ideas out. No, no, that's great. I mean, these are all like, it's kind of an open ended question of like, who, why, why do we think it is? Because I, I think, you know, it is interesting that you bring up the point of like, of thinking about like first wave specifically and like that kind of, you know, like the 50s, 60s and, and upwards and how we think of now, we, we, I think we're guilty oftentimes of separating like, oh, women's rights is something of the past. Like we've already kind of accomplished that. We've already kind of conquered that hurdle, but we're still kind of feeling the effects of that, you know, generations later where like, yeah, most corporations are largely male dominated. Yeah, there is still favoritism that's being showed like you're saying at businesses, like with, with business loans specifically and like within banks and like that sort of thing. And just like the connotation of like who a person is like based off of their gender and how that is, is still unfortunately a very, it can be a very limiting thing for an individual who's maybe trying to start something. And yeah, there is great progress that's happening to that. I think, I think we shouldn't like ignore that, but it is interesting that I think it's really tied to that like historical element almost and how, yeah, coffee being a man's drink. And that's just that and that in and of itself, like when you when we say that it seems so silly, but it's it's definitely historically like a true thing. And Absolutely. So you can tra- you know, you can trace it through what, the sixties and the seventies and the eighties as went more women join the workforce right. and then women start drinking coffee because originally, you know, again, first wave coffee, coffee is caffeine. Sure. Coffee is gross. And we don't like it, but we train ourselves to like it because it gets us through the day and we're just powering through. It doesn't matter how we make it. And, you know, that paved the way for where we are today. It's really it's a really interesting timeline and um, definitely a really interesting question. Yeah. Just to think about women entering the workforce equals women drinking coffee. Yeah, that's no that, that could be a whole title of the show right there. Like, so what do we think then if, if we if we look at this historically? then it takes for us now like in our current specialty coffee sector what does it take to grow in this area do you think like what is there something that we should be doing as individuals is there something that we should be going up higher on the totem pole in terms of like pushing other leadership to maybe 
diversify their workforce? How do how do we diversify a workforce without having token employees? Like there's like all sorts of other issues that come about like the possible solutions. Like how do we do you have any thoughts on like what do we think we could do to grow in that area? I think what we're doing now is is we're doing our best, first of all. And I think that that does need to be mentioned because in this area, you know, the corporatization of anything, as we just mentioned, is a male explorative venture. And I think, though, that what we're doing with especially the coffee scene in Memphis in in mid-sized cities, you know, that specialty coffee has kind of started to reach. Um, the bigger cities have more established coffee scenes and more corporate coffee. But, you know, a cafe like the one Joseph and I work at, City and State, is um, not a specifically women-owned business, but uh, a woman and a man own the business. And, you know, we don't roast or anything like that, but just small businesses. And I think a lot more women now are are taking that leap. And so I think that it it has become more approachable. A lot of, you know, millennials now are starting their own businesses and that has been a woman forward movement. And so I think we're kind of doing our best in the small business arena as far as the corporatization of coffee. You know, that is where we get into like affirmative action. Is that a thing? Token employees. But I think at the same time, um, I, I use La Colombe as an example a lot because that is where I started and they are a corporate company that roasts their own beans and, and sources their own coffee and works with farmers and all of that kind of um, from point one to point fifty five. They do everything themselves and um, it is owned by two white men, but a lot of their employees at the C level now uh, started in cafes and right now they're still men but a lot more women are in cafes now. And um, I had women bosses that not, again, necessarily at that C level, at CEO or CFO or whatever. But um, I think that a lot more, it's become a lot more women and people of color as well. Um, And La Colombe was and is a very inclusive company. And I think that they are a very good example of, of a lot of good things about what's happening in corporate coffee right now. Um, Again, I only mention them because this is my experience. So I think that kind of the opportunity to work up from starting as a barista behind the bar to managing a cafe, to working in a roastery, to doing any of the other million jobs that there is in corporate coffee, I think that there are a lot more opportunities in that sense we can definitely be doing better, but I think we're doing what we need to be doing and progress is slow, you know, and people forget that. People want instant gratification and especially as a woman, um, I can't speak as a person of color, but as a, a, a woman, I can speak to just having more opportunities now than ever before. And, um, you know, I will equate this to something actually that Joseph says to me a lot when I'm counting down the minutes of a, of a shift that I don't want to work. He says, you're closer to the end than ever before. And I think that that is kind of how I feel about about representation in coffee. We're better than we have been before. And so any progress is progress. And I am definitely an advocate for patience in this arena because it doesn't happen overnight. But so as far as what we can be doing, I think we're doing 
a decent job, not a perfect job, but a decent job of trying to be more inclusive. And I think that that also comes from being behind a bar and trying to get more people in, interested. And so I think by making coffee more approachable and specifically specialty coffee more approachable, we encourage more diversity in, in coffee itself. Yeah, that's I, I really like you bringing up the point of uh, just things being slow in general because that is that is so true like even with every you can think of every like hot button issue that comes to your brain you can equate it to like it, it didn't happen overnight and it's not going to go away overnight no matter like how many people rally and stuff like it just it's going to take time and i think that really speaks to like maybe like the the like um emotional side of like healing from something where like it, it just you can't like heal from like that, those sort of things quickly like it just doesn't happen that's not how that's not how the human body works. That's not how like our, our emotional state works, I don't think, most of the time. So I think within coffee, like, yeah, like we've gone from this historical standpoint of like coffee is for men, by men, men exclusive, to now like being like, okay, that's, you know, coffee is, coffee is a fruit. Coffee can be enjoyed by all. There's people on the farms. Many of the laborers are women. And I think that's that's a great thing to keep in mind. And and also like keeping in mind that with, with that patience, I'm just kind of, you know, restating what you're saying is that, like um, recognizing growth where there is growth instead of just being like, this is all bad, this is all awful, we're going nowhere. For example, like with sustain, like the, some of the times, like the things that we do as like a brand or company or whatever, I'm like, this is so, such a small drop in the bucket and it can feel pointless, right? Like whenever we're like, okay, at pop-ups, we're not serving in paper cups at all. And it's like, okay, that's kind of like annoying and weird. And people are like, what? Like, why are you doing like things like that? But I think it's it's not so much like the actual like physical action. It's just like we with that issue or with any other issue we're trying like what we can do and then in hopes that someone else will follow suit and then before you know it over time more and more people start to do the same kind of thing and adopt the same kind of concepts that are helpful for us all as like an industry as a brand as a people it's kind of a trickle up effect for sure you know i mean i know that that is kind of uh, a paradoxical thing to say trickle up rather than trickle down but I think that at the cafe level and at the level of, of sustain and people kind of in the customer service arena trying to, to take these little steps to make a change that shows bosses and corporate that people are willing to be more sustainable they are willing to buy coffee from and by women they are willing to to try new things and so I do um, I think that's a really good analogy I like that a lot that's that's something that I think I'm going to take with me this afternoon me thinking about it continuing talking about diversity specifically so I, I have a question of that how do we encourage both women and other people of diversity to enter the coffee scene professionally and I use the word professional here on purpose because I see personally from a, a serving perspective that there are more and more women coming into into the cafe than ever and um, so it seems like okay they're already the ones who are like here and we're serving behind the bar right um, so how do we kind of flip it and be like hey like you should also come come work for us um, here I'm kind of seeking an answer maybe for like how do we um, even kind of what we started talking at the beginning of like, of, of maybe for those women who like can view coffee as like, oh, this actually can be a career path. Like, what do we think? And we may kind of, re we may have stated some of those things already, but what's a, what's a way that we could maybe encourage all those people groups that we're not seeing behind the bar as frequently? We are, again, as we mentioned, slow progress, but what are some things practically that you think we could do either as like individuals, as cafes? what have you that, that could help with that. I, I don't want to toot my own horn here, but I, I do think that people like me 
who have had, as we said, quote unquote, a real job and kind of stepped away and learned that customer service and cafe culture and but coffee specifically as a trade, I think um, just pushing that knowledge that I gained, um, you know, and that you have and that others in coffee have because it is a real trade. And I think allowing people to wrap their heads around that, you know, I think again, to compare coffee to beer, we're 10 years, five to 10 years behind beer and that beer making 20 years ago was Bud Light, you know, and now you can go to college and get a degree in brewing beer. And I think coffee is following quickly behind that. And I think a lot of that progress is from from men, which I think there is a place for that. You know, men have more access. They have uh, to, to education and to financial resources and all of these things. And I think that that can be a really good thing to get the word out to women, you know? Men can be trailblazers and that isn't always a bad thing. It's just there needs to be room for women to do the same. And I also, I do like to remind people that feminism means that women are equal to men, not that women are better than men. And I think that that is a good point to to bring as well. And just say that I think there's room for women at the table. But I think that um, opening up coffee is, again, I think we're doing pretty much everything that we can be doing, not necessarily everything that we need to be doing. And I think that just seeing more women in the cafe as customers, because I think um, going to coffee shops is trendy. You know, going to coffee shops is trendy. And what every cafe actually that I've ever worked at, which has only been three, but um, you know, in four years of coffee experience, it is fun for us as baristas to educate people on coffee. And I think that that is something that makes it more approachable and makes people feel more knowledgeable and brings them a lot more, you know, they feel proud of themselves. They feel, okay, cool, I'm supporting a local business and I'm learning about the coffee that I'm drinking. And we definitely have a lot of people like that at City and State. And one of the things that I like that we do at our cafe that Joseph and I work at is we change the menu a lot and feature a lot of different flavors and not necessarily just latte flavors, but pour overs and a single origin espresso and, you know, approachable flavors and a little more nuanced flavors. And I think that shows people, even with flavored lattes, that coffee can go with rosemary coffee can go with sage coffee can go with these flavors that i wouldn't have put together and i think that making that more approachable also is really a way for women um because speaking of coffee being a man's drink you know the kitchen is the place for the woman and obviously i say that in jest you know um but like people who love to cook men and women coffee is a place for you because you can pull out taste notes and and you know, put different flavors together, create lattes like we do at City and State. And so I think all of this, just to say boiling down education makes coffee more approachable for sure and encouraging people to enter the workforce and kind of learn the trade and be apprentices like we essentially have. Oh, I had something else to say, but I forgot. So I will turn it back over to you. Yeah, no, that's, I think that I can... 100% 100% echo those thoughts in terms of like the education aspect. That's the whole reason like I I even thought of doing anything coffee-wise because I saw the education was a need. And I was thinking about it from like just a general standpoint, but I think even to like what we're saying when we're trying to address specific people groups and specific 
areas of diversity that we want to achieve, I think education, approachable education, that is, is a great point to start at. Because, yeah, like you're saying, like if you can make someone feel like they've learned something, that their knowledge is valuable, then it, it kind of helps them have a sort of sense of value and a sense of self and a sense of like, oh, I understand this. This is not something that I'm doing passively, but it's something that I like really can conceptualize. And it helps, I think that person perhaps appreciate whatever it is that they're maybe already enjoying even more so. And then it helps them kind of see that there's a lot more to it than just, oh, this is just, you know, a $6 drink that I'm buying because it's trendy and I can make a cool photo of it and put it on Instagram. It's like, no, it's like, it's a lot more than that. And I think that's, that's a very human thing, isn't it? Within coffee of like, of how, how coffee is such a, a unique to human thing, right? It's this cherry that's grown and from a tree that is grown by a person who's then harvested by a person who's then gets shipped to another person then handled by another person like you see just like all these like innumerable hands that's something that like i talk about a lot i feel like is that like coffee is the byproduct of innumerable hands and do we get to see every face behind the hand that touches our coffee no like we might see like a small percentage of that right if we could see like the lead farmer whoever owns the farm we can see some farm hands through photographs or something but i think it's important to remember that especially when we're like both for for baristas who are listening that when you're serving people not everyone necessarily takes the time to understand that or have been like introduced to that concept or introduce the concept like Lily is saying about like the fact that okay yes like coffee is like in its pure form it can be enjoyed great and that's that's a perfect thing to do but coffee is like a kind of an by it being an agricultural product it does have this room to be like okay well, we can pair it with this we can pair it with this just like with like something like wine right where like we can find all these flavors that exist combine them into something that actually highlights and heightens all those individual ingredients in a way that is really exciting and fun to share with other people. And again, that comes back down to a human element of like, of it being fun to share with other people. And I think that's, that's kind of the, the main bulk of my thoughts for, for this conversation. Um, I, I would like to say that it is, it is interesting that from a farm level, from my knowledge of it that many of the hand laborers on a day-to-day are women um and it's undeniable that like our current roles like within the coffee industry being lily and i like we don't we don't have that farm level knowledge we haven't spent time working on a farm in a country where coffee is grown however it's something about the farm labor force having a lot of women being lost like that idea when it trickles down in supply chain we see like a bag of retail coffee on the shelf or we order a coffee from a cafe i think it's important for us to just keep that in mind that like again like coffee in and of itself is diverse therefore we should want both our cafes our roasteries our whatever coffee specific niche thing that we can we can label um to be diverse as well and that and if we try and limit the diversity in that way, we're kind of limiting coffee in and of itself. And we're kind of almost, it seems like very oxymoron, right? To, to try and narrow it down to something that's, it's not, it's not so narrow. It's a lot broader than even maybe we understand and realize. I think that one of the ways that we have and can continue to encourage people to, you know, approach coffee and learn more about its origins is just how comforting of a beverage it has become and I think that 
again, taking coffee from being this bitter man's drink that is just a source of caffeine to kind of being something that is a treat or being something that is a crucial part of someone's morning, you know, making their little pour over on their home setup, you know, doing something like that. And I think as we continue to blaze that trail of whether it be home brewing or cafe brewing or, or anything, people become more interested and I think they want to know more. And I think we're kind of at a good point cafe wise where people see baristas as people. You know, people come to small cafes like city and state and they see us as people, not as coffee robots. And that I think is a good place to start. And I think that as we continue to, you know, you and I individually educate yeah. people who come in, um, people, will, it'll catch fire. You know, people, yeah. people will get ignited. They'll realize that this is something cool that's happening. And, you know, it doesn't hurt that coffee now is trendy and people are excited about it. Yeah. And um, I'll take that buzz wherever I can get it. And um, I think that just we're kind of doing a lot now to kind of honor those women who work those farms, you know, and giving them credit where credit is due. And so I do think that that is just kind of an interesting paradox as far as coffee stateside versus coffee elsewhere, but also something that we really are coming to terms with in a way that, again, we have to be patient, but it's coming. You heard it here first. It's coming. Well, I think that's all the thoughts for today. If, as long as you don't have any further things you'd like to add or contribute, I think we've had a great conversation today. I think listeners can really glean from all that we have discussed. I agree. Um, again, if you want to learn more about coffee in general, you can visit our website at 901sustaincoffee.com. You can come in a city and state and, hey, say, hey, where's Lily? Are you Lily? And Lily can teach you some things about some coffee, serve you some single origin espresso, maybe get you all hyped <laughs> up. Um, and again, as a reminder, we have two pop-ups coming up in October, October the 15th in our sustained headquarters space at 3097 Night Road. It's going to be from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. And if you don't come to that one, you have another chance on the 22nd of October. That's the following Saturday from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. This pop-up is going to be a little more fun. We're dropping some merch that we've been working on for far too long, and it's just going to be a good time. So hope to see you all there. Lily, again, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really great. We'll talk again soon and see you all later. Until next time. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of CART. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to keep the show and the sustained team going, please consider supporting us on Patreon. This is an excellent way to keep the show free of ads, keep us motivated, and not to forget, it gives you some great perks. Support tiers start as low as $5.25. Head on over to patreon.com slash 901sustaincoffee to get started. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at 901sustaincoffee. And check us out on YouTube by searching Sustain Coffee. All of these things can be found by just clicking the links provided in the show notes. Thank you for all your support. Until next time.